We have a special treat in that we get to speak to Charlie in the 8 o'clock hour this morning and hear from him again in the 9 o'clock hour. And the reason I invited him on for the 8 o'clock hour this morning is because so many of us have been hearing about the um, incredible life and career of Rabbi Zachariah Wallerstein. And um, I- I've been familiar with the Wallerstein family and go back with the Wallerstein family quite a long time, but I had not really um, uh, kept up with Zachariah over the last many, many years. Uh, outside of what I had heard, like most other people, that he was doing noble and incredible work in the Jewish community, especially in what we would call Jewish education. And um, he passed away, as we know, last week. And I felt it was only proper to ask somebody who knew him well and could articulate what he did well to come on the air and uh, let us be inspired by the life and accomplishments of Rabbi Zachariah Wallerstein. With that in mind, Charlie Harari, welcome back to JM in the AM. Charlie, you there? Uh, Hello, Nachum. It is so great to be on your show. Oh, there you uh, go. Thanks for the opportunity. You can hear me, right? You, you're, we're cool? I can hear you. Totally. Um, when did you first meet Rabbi Zachariah Wallerstein? Uh, maybe uh, 12, 10, uh, feels like almost a decade ago, maybe longer. And uh, it, Rabbi Wallerstein ran, remember the campaign Data Disconnect? Remember that campaign yes, we did? Yes, yes. Uh, you and I discussed it on the air. Yeah, yeah. So he, I got a call from one of his top lieutenants, a, a wonderful woman named Elisheva Perlman, that she wanted me to be involved. And if I wanted to meet her Wallerstein, I said, absolutely. Of course, I've heard of him. And I went down to see him in his office. And... Um, it's been an incredible ride since. And that was a, um, I, I remembered how, how incredibly powerful and impactful that campaign was, even for those who didn't disconnect, by the way. Just, just, to, right. just to think of you know, transmitting that message to the community that, you know what, it's better for us if we would disconnect. And obviously just, that's just one of so many projects that he was involved with. Uh, how would you, you know, it, it's, it's funny because um, to many of us on the outside, um, we, we could just say he was an educator. We could just say he was somebody who saw a need or a niche or uh, you know, a desperation on, uh, on the part of, of, of many uh, among Jewish youth. And, you know, he founded a school, a seminary, a program, a, uh, you know, a weekend program, Shabbatonim, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it seems after his passing, with all that's been told to us about him, including by you, by the way, in a beautiful eulogy, it, it, it seems like it was just so much more than that. How would you classify what he was on paper and what he really was in terms of the whole package? So I, I, he was, a, he was a, a crusader for Hashem. He was a warrior. He was indefatigable in his quest to make every single person feel uh, loved by Hashem and welcomed by our community. There are so many kids that, for whatever reasons, don't have that, weren't given the right whatever situations. And there's so many more than we think, right? They, they exist, they look great on the outside, but there's so many people that are disenfranchised in a way. And he felt it so deeply in who he was that it was wrong and he wanted to fix it. He was a businessman. He had a company. He had, he had, a, he had a life. He, he could have been a normal guy and <laughs> been, you know, a respected man in the community. No one would have said otherwise. He wasn't, 
he, he wasn't designed for this. He, he, this whole thing started because a couple of women asked him to give a shear, you know, 25 years ago on Tisha B'Av, and he looked around, and so many people showed up, and he saw such a dearth of programming for women um, that he made a next program, and a next program, and a next program, and then as he started to get involved, he started to see the need. And what a normal person would have done has been like, listen, this is my boundaries. Like, I can only do what I can do with one person. He just didn't think like that. He, he said, if Hashem needs it, I'm going I'm to push myself. And he became the advisor, the counselor, the, the resource to thousands and thousands of people on top of his business, on top of his learning and davening, on top of being a great husband, and on top of running four or five institutions, you know, on, 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 on his own will. It, it was it, like this incredible example of how one could stretch oneself beyond any perceived limitations when you're fighting pressure. Charlie Harari is with us. We're talking about the life of Rabbi Zachary Wallace. And by the way, I should point out that there is a campaign to keep his work going. I I was astounded yeah. when I when I heard of what of what the goal was because uh, with all the institutions he had and all the different uh, educational avenues that he created, uh, we're talking about a big budget. We're talking about over six million dollars that they're looking to raise. And uh, pay attention, pay attention to your email, pay attention to uh, social media. There are efforts all over the place to make sure that that goal is reached, and we're certainly encouraging people to give to uh, keep Rabbi Wallerstein's legacy alive. If anybody needs um, uh, you know, uh, us to send the link to them, you can certainly email us, nachum at nachumsegel.com. I... Um, you know, it's funny what you say about the uh, fighting for Hashem and, you know, creating uh, creating whatever is necessary in order to accomplish, um, you know, the goal in order to, in order to, to, do, to do that fight. You, you with 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 all the institutions that can be created, it, it seems like and 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 we have great educational institutions and we have a lot of wonderful programs out there. But if you don't have that person behind it with that extreme passion and fire, somebody who, based again on what I heard through the eulogies, you know, never slept, uh, or, or sleep was not a priority. Maybe, maybe that's a better way of saying it. <laughs> sleep was not a priority. And, uh, you know, you, you need somebody with that incredible drive in order to even show the young people you're trying to reach just how sincere you are. You get what I'm saying? That you, you, you have totally. You, I mean, tell yeah, you're, uh, Malcolm, you're 100% right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and that was such a part of who he was, was his incredible, almost piercing care for you and for Hashem at the same time. It was an incredible thing to see. When so somebody it, is so bound with Hashem. No, I was going to say, it must have been, I don't want to say debilitating, that's not fair. It must have been challenging for him. If he internalized the the difficulties that people approached him with, it must have been he, he must have almost taken it personally every single time you know someone approached him with a problem that needed to be solved. Oh no, no question. I mean, like I, I was saying, we would travel sometimes to do. You know, he had this thing called Avinu Volcano, right. which was a series of speeches that took place around Yom Noraim time. He did it to inspire people, and then in between each location that he went to. You know, when he landed somewhere, people would find out and try to get to him. And so he would be meeting with people the entire day and speaking at night, getting on a red eye and doing it again in the next city. But not like once or twice, like for like 10 days across the world. And then in between getting phone calls, like you'd sit with him at lunch 
and his phone would never stop. Like it would, ne you would go to like dinner with him or lunch in, uh, in these places, and the guy would go and go, "You Ray Wallace?" And he goes, "Yeah." He goes, "It's on me." He goes, "Why?" He goes, "Because you saved my sister's life." He's like, "Who's your sister?" Like meaning like it, it was such a constant passion that he had, and the way he expressed it behind the podium or in front of somebody one-on-one, -on -one. and that was what was so unique about him. He wasn't like a guy behind the podium, and then like one-on-one, -on -one, he was a totally different person. It was the same guy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was the same passion and the same purpose to do this, and yes, he took it so personally, which is what drove him. Like, and he had, he's famous, he told me this story years, and it's going, this story's going around, but he told this to me years ago, that one time he was sitting in a room trying to raise money, and um, one of the guys was making fun of him, like, all this money for just a few kids, you know, and it happened to be that the kid he was trying to save was that guy's daughter. Like, the guy didn't even know what his daughter was up to. And here he is mocking him for making so much of a big deal for a few kids, and he's thinking... It's your daughter I'm trying to save. And he said, you have to look at every decision as if it was your daughter. And that's how he was able to move mountains. I mean, he, he, he moved mountains. He started rehab centers. He started schools because he saw each kid as if it were his daughter you know, and you, if it were his son. Yeah, 100%. And by the way, that's the, um, he, he once said that, right? When, they, when, they, when they're using that line about raising money as if it's your daughter, that was, that was something that he actually had said, right? Yeah, he said that in a speech. He first said it in a meeting and then told the story over without using names in a speech. But I've heard it from him, I mean, I can't even tell you how many times we'd be talking about something and I'd be thinking to myself, you're insane. Like yeah. you're going around the whole world for a kid, like a kid, like he's changing his whole life. He's flying across the world. He's starting center. And he look at me like, he'd almost like know what I'm thinking. He'd be like, each kid is Hashem's daughter. Each kid is Hashem's son. Like he, we say it, he believed it. Like right. he really lived his life, which is such an unsustainable thing. But, and you know what the best part is that it didn't take away from his family. His family didn't feel taken to the side. His wife didn't feel pushed to the side. He was able somehow, his way, to include his family and to be there for his family, but at the same time, I mean, he once told me a story that he came home at 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, at 1 o'clock in the morning, and then got a call. He had to go to a psych ward to take care of a kid. Went to the psych ward, right, and then drove to his house. He said that he pulled into his driveway at 3 a.m. He said, Shachos was like in three hours. He said he didn't have enough cars to go into his house. So he pulled, this is in his driveway. So he pulled his car seat back and slept in his car because <laughs> he didn't have enough strength to walk into his house. Like, this, uh, that's not normal. That, that, that doesn't happen like with the whole time, right? This is the yeah. guy who lived, you know, yeah. and he told it to me like as if it was a normal part of his year. There are just some nights that I don't get home because I'm running around. You know, and it's, he didn't even say it like as if it was a, a, a kircha. He said it as if it was a privilege, which was unbelievable. That's how he took it. Rabbi Wallerstein, LegacyFund.org, by the way, folks. That's the website, Rabbi Wallerstein, LegacyFund.org. Rabbi Wallerstein, LegacyFund.org. If you want to see these activities and uh, the incredible institutions that he created continue, and I think everybody in the community and everyone in the sound of my voice should certainly pitch in. Rabbi Wallerstein, LegacyFund.org. Um, so important to keep these going. Charlie, with, with so many thousands seeking him out, 
I, I, I don't want to say this from a negative standpoint. Uh, I, I think you have a way of turning this into a positive, frankly. But what does it say about our community? What does it say about how how we don't realize just how many youngsters are going through challenging situations and are, are lost out there and are not on the right path out there? And you know, and he understood that obviously, and and, and attracted thousands um, with his words and with his advice. Um, what would you say it says about our community and the work that we need to do in this area? It's we have to. We're always growing. A lot of it is is, is parents and families, and you know, we always have to be moving and trying to bring our kids to a place of health and happiness. Um, but I think we're at a place where people are responding. Um, but yeah, we could always need more. Either the level of of empathy and the level of programming that we, we, we always need to make sure that all of our kids are growing. Because we have, we have a big challenge ahead of us, right? We, as the Jewish community, want, uh, we want to be successful in multiple levels, right? It's not an easy task to be spiritually successful and religiously successful and, and financially successful to maintain a lifestyle, right? There's so many things that we want, and we, we, we strive, and Hashem pushes us to strive for such an incredible excellence that it's hard. And institutions can't keep up, and institutions can't, you know, get the money in and be able to deliver such bespoke education. And so, it, it, it's it's the reality of, of of a nation that's constantly in battling every which way and still growing to be greatness and being a light into the nation. Um, and I think we're moving in the right direction, in my opinion, institutionally. I think we're moving into a much greater and and, and more empathetic place for for kids. Um, and our Wallerstein is an example of others. There are those that are out there. I don't know how many. There are those that are out there that have dedicated their lives clearly to this. And he's a model of it. And I, I hope, I really hope that other people now will look at our Wallerstein and say, hey, I want to do that too. I want to have this type of impact. And you don't have to do it for a million people. You don't have to be a Wallerstein. Even if you do it for five people, it's still changing the world. And that's, by the way, how, what he would say. He would say, what's a million people? Like, he, doesn't even fe- he wouldn't even feel like that. Right. He would just see lots of ones. You know, he would be like, no, it's just one. He, you know what I'm saying? He, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't even think that he's helping thousands. Because in his world, <laughs> he's just helping the next person. He's helping one multiple times. Um, exactly. You know, yeah. you know uh, someone said to me that, um, you know, he had this idea, I'm sure you're familiar with it, of renting out the bowling alleys so that kids would have a place to go to on a Saturday night, you know, in an exclusive atmosphere as opposed to, you know, some of the places that people like to hang out. Um. Yeah, and when when the funding dried up, you know, you would you would think that it, it would be a it would be a tough sell, so to speak. But this specific person told me that they went ahead and they arranged a fundraiser to keep the bowling alley concept open because they understood that that his strategies when it came to these things were really effective. Uh, a lot of people would poo-poo, oh, you know, you're, you're, what are you sponsoring, bowling nights for kids? And that's important in terms of their you know, development, in terms of the, you know, getting them on the right track, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but if that's what it took, if it was, if it was a, you know, out-of-the-box concept like that, he was ready to implement it and, and, and make it happen. Oh, yeah. He, he was famous for this. He would empower people to do things that other people would be like, you got to be kidding me. You know, to, to dance or to write poetry or to get involved. Like, he was always taking, and that's one of his godlessness, was that he saw you as a unique diamond. And he saw himself as the guy who was going to try to help polish it. And he never tried to make you somebody else. He, it was an amazing thing. 
he, you, and when you were with him, you felt it. You know, sometimes you're with somebody that you feel that there is something else they want you to be, right? You kind of feel that right. you're not enough. Right. Even if they don't say it. Like, even if they don't make you feel bad. Right. If, you, if you're with them long enough, you kind of sense <laughs> that they're thinking, like, when are you going to step up, right? Right. He, he wasn't like that. He was always underneath you, right? He was always supporting you. He was always saying, you're much, you're much more incredible than you think. And that was how he built his schools. He saw these, some of these girls that the world really shunned. And he saw something in them. But, like, legitimately, he wasn't faking it to get them to be from, right? He legitimately saw greatness. And then they felt that. And they, because they felt that, they sort of saw it in themselves. And that's, the type, that's how he thought. So he, that's a, it's his way to go, what am I knocking out the bowling? They're going out anyways. Let's make it more, a, more of, a, of a better culture. He, he, he saw the world from the position of where you were sitting versus the position of where, where he was sitting. And that was part of his godless, to do that. Almost, almost always, right? And, and, and still at the same time to be super from and to care about everything. Like he wasn't, you know, he, he, he didn't come from a place of giving up. He, but he saw people so wonderfully that they saw it in themselves. Pretty amazing. Charlie Harari is with us. It's Rabbi Wallerstein Legacy Fund.org or by Wallerstein Legacy Fund.org. We felt it was appropriate to get this audience involved in the work of Rabbi Wallerstein after everything that we have heard uh, over the last uh, a week or so. And uh, Charlie is somebody who worked with Rabbi Wallerstein very closely and uh, can attest to the fact that he. Um, was exactly uh, the way that everybody is describing him. Um, the uh, it, the the fact that he could look at somebody, a young person, and look at them as a diamond, look at them as you know with potential, look at them with you know greatness. Even though, of course, uh, they were still at a point where, on the exterior, they were involved in in, in things we wouldn't want anybody involved with. Um, is is such a, a unique and amazing trait. Um, what does that tell us about us? We as parents, we as as you know, people in the community who who deal with younger people at times in different venues. If if we would just turn that switch a little bit like that, and have a positive attitude even toward those who at the moment might be disappointing us, um, the the chances for things ending up in a good place are much greater, wouldn't you say? Yeah, you just hit on you just hit on the nail, and that's something that's so critical. I think that's the golden ring, if you will, of parenting and education, which is the hardest thing in the world to get, which is the ability to see the greatness in somebody when they're disappointing you. That's it. Like you just nailed it, right? When when a kid's like sort of getting there, you can always like say, "Come on, you got this." When a kid's doing great, it's always easy to to support. But when a kid's disappointing, to still see their greatness even though you're disappointed in their actions and that's a difference between what they do and who they are, that takes a great, a great set of eyes, right? Those are spiritual eyes to see who somebody is, even if what they do is not corresponding and to know in your core that that thing, that, that person looking at is a piece of Hashem and maybe they're acting that way for reasons that are totally beyond what you think. And he proved it time and time and time again. He proved it time and again. You take somebody who on the surface seems like they're one way, you don't know their life. You don't know the nuances of their development. You don't know what they went through. If you just focus on who they are, they'll shock you. And he did. And it was amazing. And there were times he did it in, in 15 minutes. 
Like, I'm not saying that everyone had to go through, you know, an institute. There were times that he sat with some 15, 20 minutes and, and hit right in and changed the person because that person never had anybody believe in it before, you know? Like, they never saw that. And he, 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 he spotted it like you can't believe. Like, he was an, I mean, he told me things and how he was able to size up situations that were like, it was unbelievable. I did it on people. They were like, how did you know? Like, holy cow, this stuff really works. Like, <laughs> he really knew when someone said that they hate Hashem, that they never really hate Hashem. Like, he knew where it came from because he saw that them in a way that even they didn't see themselves. So when they themselves said, I'm not enough or I can't, he never even bought it. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, he was able to immediately see past it because he never even bought their own rhetoric. You know what I'm saying? That he, never, yeah. he, he couldn't even, so they felt bad about themselves. He couldn't even believe that. Yes, it was, it was like, a, it was like watching like a, a, someone's like a magician operate because when you believe in people so much, you, you see things in them that they don't see in themselves. Yeah. And he wasn't, he, he didn't shy away from discussing his own challenging situations in his life. Which I think also, you know, yeah. when 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 someone makes it, when someone makes themselves real, when they when they portray themselves as a regular human being, you know, with 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 um, positives and with flaws and everything in between, I think that really helps the youth in our community, you know, relate to somebody when they're willing to be open yeah. and open and honest about, hey, you know, I, I know what this is all about, and uh, you know, and and we're going to get through this. You know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. I, mean, I was once with him on a Shabbaton. He ran these these famous Shabbatons. I mean, I, I wish he would have came to one. They were um, Ornava Shabbatons, and the the, 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 the the crown jewel of the program was the Friday night Q&A, right? And the first time when he goes, don't plan to go to sleep, I said, yeah, right. I've been to Q&As before. He goes, no, seriously. And it's a all-you-can-ask, no-end Q&A. I, when I went into one, we went, I finished, I think, at 4 a.m. Sometimes they go straight to Shachar's. Huh. Right, and people come out. It's unbelievable, and I you have to see it to believe it. Hundreds of girls, women, you know, in the crowd ask whatever you want. Nothing is pebble, and and three to five, you know, people in the front answering. It's, and it's fun, and it's cry, and you laugh. It's unbelievable. So, I was at, I was at one with him, and a girl asked a certain question, and it related to a challenge that he went through in his life, and it was embarrassing to talk about it. And he got up and said, I want to tell you what I went through. And I couldn't, I, when I tell you, I couldn't believe my eyes. Here is Rabbi Wallerstein, the head of this program, in front of three, 400 people, telling over something that he ch- was challenged with. In order to give this girl physic that she's not alone, I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw it. Wow. And I went to him afterwards. I'm like, how did you do that? He goes, what are you talking about? What, I can't be me? It's going to help her. <laughs> like wow. he literally put himself out there. How many told in detail? How many people would think a million times before ever doing that in public? Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! To even make a reference to that yeah. in public, unbelievable. You know what I'm saying? And it, and it didn't. Even, I said this to the, the, the husband. He, you know, we play chess. You know, chess of like, what if I say this and this happens and this and this happens and this right. and this happens? He didn't play chess. <laughs> he never played chess. <laughs> He just did what was right. <laughs> like he, he, he let Hashem worry about chess. You know what I'm saying? Like he just focused on the next move. And sometimes it blew up. And people get upset because he said something that they didn't like and whatever, whatever, whatever. But it never came from a desire to be controversial. He wasn't like a lahachesnik. Right. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't trying. 
He just spoke what he thought was truth, and he allowed the chips to fall where Hashem made them fall. And as a result, people ran to him because there are some people that are craving honesty and authenticity, and he he lived with it. And so they wanted him to tell them the truth. You know, it ended up being one of his greatest strengths. But I got to tell you. I almost never saw that before, and between me and you, I almost never saw that again. Yeah, that I'm sure. Uh, Charlie Harari is with us, talking about Rabbi Wallerstein, uh, Rabbi Wallerstein Legacy Fund.org, or by Wallerstein Legacy Fund.org. Finally, Charlie, I mean, again, I'm, I'm not going to put you on the spot. This is something that you're not necessarily um, going to know, but I would assume that based on your observation, you're fully confident that uh, there's an infrastructure in place and great people who he uh, worked with that can keep all of this going because people are going to be giving generously, and all we want is to see that these programs continue to be successful. Absolutely. He has a great team. He has a partner in life. His name is Yankee Elephant, who's an absolute tzaddik, who is his right hand and partner in Chavrusa. And he's very much, you know, still a very big part of him, his family, and, and he's got great mechanchim, and he's got, a, he's got a great team. He's got a great group of dedicated people around him. Uh, it's, it, the key right now is the, fun, is the finances. That was sort of what he took upon himself. And between me and you, many times pulled it out of his pocket when he couldn't make any make the budgets. He never let an institution go because he couldn't fundraise enough. The key is the fundraising and, and to be able to get the, the necessary uh, funding in now. But he's got a team that that are that are planning to dedicate every bit of their lives to continuing his legacy, and and I'm sure they will. And I'm sure uh, they'll continue going even stronger than they were before. I can only imagine how difficult a period of time this is for everybody. For his staff, for his family, oh, for I mean, I can I can only imagine uh, to oh, lose to yeah, lose to, to lose somebody like this uh, in our community. Yeah. Um, uh, again, everybody out there, Rabbi Wallerstein Legacy Fund.org, As we remember Rabbi Zachary Wallerstein and his incredible work, I want to thank Charlie Harari for helping us do that. And uh, Charlie, uh, if there's one thing we learned, sincerity, being open and honest with our children and grandchildren, uh, showing them love and letting them know that they are diamonds. Uh, all these lessons yep. are really, really, really critical. The, the, the other stuff, uh, the other stuff is the other stuff's temporary. This is the stuff that creates really yep. good permanent situations. For sure, you would always say happy kids are the, the ones that are able to become more connected to Hashem. Like, make sure your kids are happy. Right. Make sure they feel loved and respected, and then they'll be bigger. They'll connect to Hashem when they when they feel the love from their family. It's so critical, and uh, he he stood for that. Pretty amazing. Uh, I thank you as usual, and uh, we'll hear from you again in just a few minutes, and I thank you for that as well. Thank you. It's an honor to be on the show. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate that, Charlie. Remembering Rabbi Zachario Wallerstein, my thanks to Charlie Harari, uh, who knew him well. Uh, Those of you out there who are inclined to support work that's really important and vital, Rabbi WallersteinLegacyFund.org, Rabbi WallersteinLegacyFund.org. More coming up. You're listening to a Thursday morning Sphere format edition of JM in the AM. 